Miguel Cabrera's retirement was obviously the biggest storyline from the weekend, but the Tigers still played three games that count for and against their schedule when it's all said and done. So we are going to talk about the final series of the 2023 season all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Also, just because the Tiger season is over doesn't mean you shouldn't, doesn't mean you shouldn't. There's a lot of the double negative, a lot of negatives in there. You should still check out the Sirius XM app. Uh, the Tigers took two of three from the Cleveland Guardians this weekend. And, you know, I, I know that Miggy is obviously the biggest story. And we spent all day yesterday saying goodbye and, and uh, saying farewell to the legend that is Miguel Cabrera. But, uh, you know, we, we still have ball games to cover. And I, I think it's important, you know, like these games still count the same. And they won them as well. You know, taking two of three from a divisional opponent, a division rival is always a big deal. I don't care, you know, at what point in the season it is. I don't care what's happening off the field and, and whatnot. Like, that's that's important. And that's, that's you know, three, four, five years from now, when we look back at the 2023 Tigers, nobody's going to try and, like, quantify the wins and losses and be like, oh, well, that loss came when, you know, there was a lot of Miguel Cabrera stuff happening. Or like, oh, those wins came because it was a full house. Like, no, that was a 78-win ball club, right? So I think it's important to tell the story of how we get to those 78 wins, which means we will still be doing a series recap to end the season. I also think that it's that, that there's actually quite a bit to talk about here, and, and a lot of it is just like where certain players are finishing the season and how they performed, obviously, uh, this weekend. But, you know, I, I think the conversation probably starts with A.J. Hinch and, you know, winning these ball games. It very easily, I know that a lot of people have made this point, Castellani, I know has made this point a few times, but, uh, you know, it's 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 something that I wholeheartedly agree with. Uh, so I'm just going to reiterate, like, it would have been very easy to let the Miguel Cabrera stuff and, and, the, and the packed house and all the things that were happening in this final homestand these last six games become somewhat of a distraction and, and just... Miggy himself handled it all so well and uh, and just, you know, like wanted to play and and, and wanted to win. And, and he was kind of reiterating those points as well, which I think helped. But um, I, I just I, I've reiterated it a, a lot, but I am a fan of A.J. Hinch as the manager of this baseball team. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more tomorrow uh, about, you know, his future with the Detroit Tigers, because I've, I've been asked that question a couple of times. Um, but. I think that it's it's times like this when you really look at and you go, yeah, like not only just this weekend, but like this was still a bottom three offense in baseball by most metrics. And they ended the season. If you switch three results, they're a 500 baseball team. And like, it's not like they have a top five pitching staff in the league, <laughs> right? It's It's better than the offense, certainly. 
but it's not some elite top of the end. This is a fantastic pitching staff and an elite bullpen. And a lot of that has to do with uh, with this coaching staff. We give the pitching coaching staff a ton of credit all the time. Uh, but I I mean, genuinely, I, 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 I sing the praises of AJ a lot. I think that this season was a really solid year for AJ Hinch. Everyone was really on board of like AJ can do no wrong after 2021. And then last year, everybody jumped ship. And then now this year, I think there's a lot of people kind of standing somewhere in the middle of like, all right, we don't want to buy like full in and, and, you know, just say that he's like the best thing to happen in this organization. Like people were saying after 2021, but clearly last year was mostly just because they didn't have any talent on offense either. So uh, I think this was a really great way to end the, season is really just what I'm trying to say. And I think that AJ deserves some credit for that. That's all just in a vacuum. If there's one thing to take out of it, good, good job with, uh, with how the team was handled in the final weekend of the season. Uh, when it comes to the players and the performance of the team, uh, I guess we'll start with starting pitching, start with starting pitching. Fair enough. We'll talk about Erod in a second. Uh, we'll save him for last. Then we had a bullpen day on well technically I guess two but Saturday's was like a pure bullpen day like it was Will Vest to Miguel Diaz to Bo Brisky so that when there was no starting pitching we'll talk about the bullpen here in a second uh Joey Wentz is the only really thing I want to talk about before we get to Erod he goes two and a third and gives up seven runs three walks two K's two strikeouts his ERA he ends the season with an ERA of 6.90. Uh, just obviously not great. 3-13 and 13 win and loss record. Obviously, this year was a struggle for him. And we talked about it a lot on this show. You know, like what made this year such a struggle for him. Um, he doesn't have a major league fastball at the moment. And I, I, I know every time I say this, <laughs> I people, some people laugh, but like, I, I genuinely don't think he's like awful. I don't think that he's terrible. I, I don't think that his secondary stuff is putrid. Like I, I genuinely, I don't, I, I think his cutter completely changed the arc of his career. Um, and, and really helped him have a sub two ERA in the month of September last season. Like we, we've seen, Joey Wentz be good, and he was a pitcher that a lot of people were genuinely excited about when he got promoted to the majors last season. Like, very excited. Uh, going back to the, when that trade happened, people were pumped that we got him. And he came back from TJ, added the cutter, and there was a newfound kind of uh, excitement surrounding him. Um, it, it just it all comes down to the fact that his fastball is unusably bad. Like, I, I don't just mean like, oh, it's a bad pitch, and but like the rest sucks too. Like, the rest, I'm not saying that anything he threw this year graded out as positive, okay? That's not what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, but the fastball was so bad that I unusable is the word I, I want to use. That That is, I, I think, accurate. Um, it, it was one of the worst four-seam fastballs in the entire game of baseball by, like, pretty much any metric you use. And that's not an exaggeration. Like, legitimately, it was. So uh, I, I think that that is his... Well, first off, if I was if my last name was Harris instead of Bentley, I would tell Joey Wentz to go take a month long vacation. I'd say don't pick up a baseball, don't think about baseball. Go to the Bahamas, go to Europe, go somewhere that you've always wanted to go, and just completely not think about the game of baseball. 
Treat it like you're 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 nursing a, a sore ankle. Six to eight weeks, you're out, dude. Just go do something else. Uh, and then I would spend this winter trying to make adjustments to give him a major league fastball. Uh, and the reason why he needs that is because his cutter is not fast enough. And we've talked about this a lot. This isn't like super new information to a lot of people at the everydayers, especially, but like his cutter is a mid eighties pitch as far as miles per hour go. So yeah, like he needs, like he, he needs a, a setup fastball and this year he just straight up didn't have one. So not the most surprising thing in the world to see him get rocked there. Uh, I don't know what his role on the team in the future is, but I mean, certainly going into spring training next year, you are not like penciling in Joey Wentz to be on this major league roster out of camp. Uh, that's something that he would have to earn. It's not something that's going to be assumed. So we'll see what his future looks like. We'll see what he does in the winter and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see how he looks going into spring training. Let's talk about Erod. He was the, uh, the real, I, I guess, starting pitcher, like true starting pitcher from the weekend uh, and had a phenomenal outing in uh, game 162. So we will do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at LinkedIn. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach is wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller at every stage, especially when the sellers are using shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data in real time and insights. These deeper insights empower, empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which lead to better outcomes like more pipeline, higher win rates, larger deals, etc. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. So right now you can try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day 6-0 free trial at linkedin.com slash locked on. That's linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash locked on to get started. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. Uh, I made this point yesterday, uh, but we will still be at five days a week for a while. Uh, we are not moving down to three days a week for quite some time. That'll happen sometime in the winter. But, I mean, at least guaranteed through the postseason, this show will still be five days a week. Uh, and probably a little bit after that, you know, the early parts of free agency likely will stay there as well. So, um, yeah, honestly, it might not even be till the new year. I'm not really sure the schedule is this year. So uh, we we will be still your team every day, uh, Monday through Friday for the foreseeable future. The show, the, the, the I was going to say the show stops, but the show doesn't. But that doesn't make any sense. The uh, the, the games stop, but the show doesn't. All right. So. Talking about Eduardo Rodriguez, obviously ending the season on a high note. His final line in this one is seven innings, four hits, two runs. Only one of them earned one walk and five strikeouts. The one earned run being the home run, obviously. Uh, ends the season with a 3-3 ERA, which is just phenomenal. 13-9 uh, and nine record for those who still care about pitching wins and losses out there. Phenomenal end to a phenomenal season uh, for Erod, and I know that he had the injury thing for a little bit. And obviously, you know it's impossible to bring up Erod's season without talking about the trade deadline, and that'll be something that we talk a little bit more in depth about again 
in the coming weeks of the offseason. But just strictly when you're talking about return on your investment on the field, I don't think you could have asked for more. I, I genuinely, I think this is best case scenario. Like when we signed Erod in 2021, in the winter of 2021, and, and I was all excited and obviously 2022, like he, he, you know, just dipped for a little bit and there was no communication from the team. And, and he had, he had personal issues, obviously that he wanted to take care of. And, and like, it, it's just, it's been such a roller coaster of like things happening off the field that it's very quick. It's very easy to lose sight of just how great of a season he had this year. Like the, until the finger injury, he was legitimately like a top two pitcher in the entire American league. He he was unbelievable. Like it, it's how quickly we forget the dominance that was him. And, you know, he had an ERA over four in the second half of the season. Uh, may, he actually might have dipped below that in these last couple of starts. I'll have to double check. But I know for a majority of the second half, his ERA was over four um, in the second half. And so, uh, you know, it's it's and like that's not like terrible. It's not catastrophic. It's just it's very interesting to end on this high note. And, and as we go into the offseason with so much uncertainty, I'm already stressed about having to talk about it and just thinking about it now. Um, so much uncertainty surrounding Erod. You know, it's he was great in this game, and and the the, the cutter uh, cutter was, eh. but he every other secondary pitch was working. Fastball command is is how he's going to live or die, and he boy was he living. Uh, I I thought he looked fantastic. It, it's it's a fascinating conversation. It really is. And like I said, we'll, we'll talk much more about that. I promise we'll cover it plenty as the offseason goes along. Uh, we'll talk about it, honestly, tomorrow a little bit um, because tomorrow's show we are going to be discussing the, uh, the postseason. It's not literally a press conference. Media session, media availability that uh, AJ Hinch, Scott Harris, and the like had. So that'll be tomorrow's show. And someone asked about Erod, so so we'll have to bring it up then. But as far as this weekend went, I could not have asked for a better way to end a season that I don't think, outside of like maybe staying healthy and not missing six weeks, uh, I don't think you could have asked for much more than Erod than a three three ERA. That's really darn good. So uh, he was great. That's it for the starting pitching. The bullpen this weekend uh, I thought was pretty solid outside of, well, actually not really outside of anything. I was going to say outside of Friday's game, but Joey Wentz gave up seven of those seven runs. So really the bullpen was phenomenal all weekend. Uh, You know, Bo Brisky ending on a high note, I really like. I think there's a lot of conversations that we're going to have about Bo Brisky this winter. And I, I love Bo and they're not like negative connotations. They're, they're connotations, negative conversations. Uh, they're, they're conversations that are about his role on the team going forward. I, I still think he needs a horizontal moving pitch. I think that that'll be something he tries to work on over the winter. And I think that there's still, I don't think it's, it's something you're penciling in and you're banking on, but I still wouldn't be shocked if he started a couple of games next year, whether it's the spot starter kind of swing man, Tyler Alexander role from the right side. Like, I don't know, but uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if they hadn't closed that door completely. Uh, obviously, again, I'm not saying he he's not going to be like in the preseason five-man rotation, certainly, but um, 
I, I, I think there's uh, still some question marks there. Miguel Diaz, man, what an absolute dog. What an absolute, I know that like, it's kind of a bit for me at this point, but like genuinely he is the man. He ends the season with a 0-6-4 ERA and his final outing, he goes two innings, three hits, no earned runs, two strikeouts, no walks. Just phenomenal. Um, I, I think he's somebody that I, I feel like I looked it up a couple of weeks ago. I don't think he has any options, but I'll have to double check that. Again, we'll, we'll go much more in depth on literally everybody on the 40-man roster. That is content to come. We've done it the last two off seasons. We're going to do a full breakdown, you know, spend like either half an episode or a whole episode for some players just breaking down like the seasons that were for these guys. So we'll, we'll go much more in depth on them in those. But, um, you know, I, Miguel Diaz, a guy, he's not going to be a top priority. They're not going to like move mountains to guarantee that he comes back, especially if that's true and he doesn't have any options left then they certainly won't. Um, but that being said, like, I, I do think that if they can find a way to keep him in the organization next year, they're going to, uh, he, he looked phenomenal in his major league stint this year. And he has swing and miss stuff like that. That change up splitter thing he's got is disgusting. And I think that if you can maybe add like a more effective slider or improve the four seam fastball a little bit, you could be talking about a, a really like legitimate reliever at the major league level. And uh, he's sneaky old too. So uh, again, like I don't think they're going to make him a top priority, but if they can find a way to keep him, I think they will. Tyler Holton. Ends the season, I believe, with a 2-11 ERA. Gets the hold. Tyler Holton gets the hold on, which day is this? Saturday's game. You know, Tyler Holton's going to be one of the biggest success stories in the entire organization this year. And he absolutely deserves it. And Scott Harris absolutely deserves credit for it. Um, that, that's a legitimate piece going forward. Tyler Holton is a, is a very, very legitimate piece of this baseball team for at least next season. And do I think he's going to have like two ERA for the rest of time? No, I think that's ridiculous to expect. And there's some peripherals that like, you know, say probably not lucky. That's definitely not the word I'm trying to say, but I think there's some peripherals that imply like, Oh, you know, you repeated this season again. He probably doesn't have a two eleven ERA, but I mean, goodness, what a absolutely phenomenal season uh, next year. It, like the thing is, it's a waiver claim. Like even if it's, this guy's ERA improves by an entire run next year, it's still a massive success story, right? If you get a lefty with a 311 ERA going forward out of the bullpen and you got him via a waiver claim in 2022 or 2023, I guess, like that's a, that's a massive win. So uh, everybody should be taking a big victory lap on Tyler Holden. He ends the season on a high note. And then Foley and Lang, doing Foley and Lang things. And then the season on solid notes there. Uh, well, Foley doing Foley things. Lang closing the door. And uh, no really like crazy bad outings here. I know he had a walk. Uh, well, a couple. Uh, but as far as, you know, like just kind of closing the door at the end of the game, uh, did uh, did pretty well, I would say did pretty well. So we have a lot of discussions in regards to Alex Lang's future on this baseball team as well. Uh, unfortunately this winter. So that will be something that is yet to come, but end of the season with a three, six ADRA. 
Uh, it's like not abysmal. He's not like the worst pitcher you've ever seen. Like some people like to say whenever he blows a game. So uh, we will certainly talk about his role on the team going forward. Like I said, this winter amongst a lot of other things, as you are clearly seeing a lot of these conversations. Oh, right, we'll talk about that more as the winter goes along, but he was good this weekend, pounding the strike zone. All you can really ask for from Lang. He's got nasty stuff when he does that. So uh, let's talk about the offense and then we'll get you out of here. All right. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you are not just hoping to have access to medication in case of an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand and it's simple. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication, delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared to get $20 off of these life-saving antibiotics as well by visiting Jace Medical and using code LOCKEDON at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-C medical.com. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. So we've talked about the pitching over the weekend. Let's talk about the offense, which was stellar. Seven runs, eight runs, five runs in uh, the last three games of the season. And then if you date back to the Kansas City series before that, uh, you have six, eight, seven, five, eight, five. Goodness gravy. Now, if you go back one more series to Oakland, you have two, one, and two. But focusing on the positive here, good way to end the season. And, and like, that doesn't change my opinion of anything. Like, the last six games or three games of the season does not change the fact that over a course of 162, they were, again, a bottom three offense in the game of baseball. Um, but it's nice to see them end on a strong note. I think that there is something to be said for that. I want to talk specifically about Parker Meadows, Spencer Torkelson, Matt Beerling, and Kerry Carpenter on the offensive side of the ball, okay? So Parker Meadows ends the season with a 240 batting average and a 714 OPS, and I think that that's solid. I I, I mean, you can go back, you know, when we first called him up, I... This is about like what I would have considered a success. I'm pretty sure I said something on the lines of if he can be a slightly below league average hitter that I'd gladly take it. And that's exactly what we got. Like league average is, you know, like right just below like 750 OPS usually. It's, but his OPS is above 700 still. Uh, the biggest takeaway I have from Parker Meadows is that I'm, well, I'm just strictly in the batter's box, because the biggest takeaway is how much of a plus defender and plus base runner he can be for this baseball team. But um, I'm very excited about how he fits into this lineup long-term. Very excited. Uh, I've said it a lot. I don't ex ever expect him to be like an 850 OPS or better type of hitter. Uh, but I think that he could be like a 17 to 22 home run hitter, which is if you can add a 20 home run hitter into this lineup, that's great. I think he has the power. He's shown the power in the minor leagues to be able to do that. But the biggest thing in the batter's box that I was absolutely blown away with was his eye and his discipline. 338 on base percentage in his first stint in the majors. His chase rate 
If you go to Baseball Savant, you can look at all these numbers yourself. His chase rate is phenomenal in the sense that he doesn't chase very much. It, it's phenomenal. Uh, his walk numbers are phenomenal. Uh, he did very well in that department and just decision-making on what to swing at and what not to swing at and what was in the strike zone and what wasn't in the strike zone. And it wasn't at the hands of an astronomically high K, K rate. Uh, I don't ever expect him to have a super low K rate, but uh, if he can not have just like an unbelievably high one and still put up these walk numbers and still provide what he does, uh, on the base pass and on the defensive side of the field, I think you're looking at a legitimate asset to this team. And uh, he'll, you know, tweak some things in the offseason. He'll change his swing a little bit. Uh, I'm sure he'll make some mechanical adjustments to be better prepared for Major League pitching next year. But when you're talking about the 2024 Detroit Tigers, I think that a lot of people are very excited about a full season of center field Parker Meadows for this baseball team. And I am definitely one of those people. So um, very, very solid end of the season for Parker. Uh, Spencer Torkelson had another homer opposite field just because he felt like it ends the season with 31 home runs. Uh, and let me get the rest of it here. 233 average, 759 OPS and 31 homers and well over 90 RBIs. He was kind of flirting with a hundred there for a second ends with 94, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, I mean, very, very, big step forward taken for him. And like he ended the season as an above league average hitter and with over 30 homers made adjustments was very solid, kept the walk number. I, I would like to see the walk numbers go up even more. I think that's like, I don't want to ask for too much out of them, but uh, I think that that's something that, you know, at his best down the road, when we're talking about like the peak of torque, I think it's a guy that walks a lot too. So I'll be looking to see how he adjusts to that next year. But as far as this year goes, man, like, you, his first two months were like not significantly better than the end of last season. Like he was hitting the ball harder, which like everybody was freaking out about and everybody was pumped about myself included, but like there was still really no real results. And to see them finally come to fruition and him finally starting to pull the ball a lot more and get those results and make adjustments in his swing. Uh, like there was like legitimate mechanical adjustments that he made. and. I think that that's super, super important. Like you, you just going and looking at what, how he looked and, and what he did at the end of last season to this season. I, I think that that's vital. And that's what I keep preaching to y'all like all the time. Like these guys are, are constantly making adjustments. That's why people like JD Martinez exist and how you can struggle for years and years and years and barely be a major league baseball player and then having a thousand OPS for the next three seasons, right? Like that these guys are constantly trying to find a competitive advantage and make adjustments. And I was very pleased with the adjustments that Torque made this season. And I think a lot of people are excited about what he can do next year. Um, and that's awesome. So good for Torque ending on a high note. Uh, talking about Veerling and Kerry Carpenter, Matt Veerling pulled a homer, crushed it. We'll talk about Veerling more in depth in the winter again, broken record there. But, you know, I, I, I said it a lot, <laughs> said it a lot, this, uh, especially in the second half of this season, if Matt Veerling pulled fastballs, um, I would like him at like in his, I don't know the dude personally. I'm not saying I don't like him. I'm, I'm I, I, I like Matt Veerling, uh, but I would like his role on this team significantly more if he just did that. 
And like I say, just that's a very difficult just. That's a that's a hard adjustment to make. But like currently, and I, I said this on air a couple of times. Like I think Veerling's probably a, a a solid like super utility player for this team going forward. I don't think he should be like the starting every day at any position for this team long term. But I think that he can be a valuable asset. Fine defense in corner outfield, serviceable defense at third base if you need it, you know, in the infield. Can run like all heck, doesn't strike out, can put the bat on the ball, can get you those singles to right field. Like, he he has value, okay? He has an eight value. But I, I would pencil him in as a starter if he pulled fastballs, <laughs> and he just doesn't. And so seeing him end the season, like in September – there was a few instances in which he got out in front of fastballs and pulled them and pulled them for power. And so that was an adjustment that clearly he made as well. Uh, and that'll be a big conversation point going into next spring for me was what did Veerling do to address how late he is on every single four seam fastball? So that'll be something that he already made an adjustment on and I'm sure we'll continue to make adjustments on as well. Uh, and then Kerry Carpenter, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to say it's like a disappointing end to the season because he kept getting hits. He kept the batting average high. He ends with a 278 average and an 811 OPS, but the power numbers completely fell off a cliff. Did he hit a home run in the month of September? I genuinely don't think he did. Home runs, September, zero. Yeah, didn't hit a home run. In the last month of the season, I think it was like six weeks. I think it was like middle of, of August was his last homer. And so you that's, again, not disappointing. Kerry Carpenter was a huge bright spot in this team this year and another victory lap for this organization. But, um, you know, it's it's something to, to keep an eye on. We'll talk about kind of why that is. We already discussed it a little bit dating back the last couple of weeks. But we'll talk about that again when we do the deep dive on Carp. Like there's just some adjustments that he's going to have to make. But he's been making a lot of adjustments, and I'm sure that he's going to go with his hitting coach, who's also the hitting coach of Aaron Judge, as everybody knows. And he's going to go try to make those adjustments and come into uh, to, to the ball game. To the ball game? What the heck? Come into the season next year, ready to hit home runs again. I don't know where coming into the ball game. I don't know where that came from, but just kind of a, a I don't know wind out of the sail. Just like you know, didn't hit a home run for the last six weeks of the season. That's something that. Obviously, we have to talk about. I think that's it. The Tigers end the season 78 and 84, everybody. My preseason expectation, my not expectation, prediction was 74 wins. I looked it up the other day just to double check. I think I might have said 75 over the last couple of weeks. It wasn't that high. It was 74. And the Tigers passed that and got to 78 wins. 78 and 84 is also the second best no, the best. That is the best record they have had since 2016 when they went over 500. What they went 86 that year, barely missed the playoffs by like a game uh, because they couldn't beat the last place Atlanta Braves in the final weekend series of the season. I'll never forget watching that series and uh, being very upset in my college dorm room my freshman year. Um, anyway, so. Uh, this was a, you know, we'll talk about like successful season, not successful, whatever. We'll, we'll do that kind of in the next couple of weeks, but 78 and 84 is, is, is solid. And that blows past most people's expectations. Again, I, I had them at 74 and, and I've said this a lot, 
but like I was called the like optimist. I was like, oh, you're, you know, looking at this team through like Tigers glasses or whatever. Like this is you're you're way too optimistic about this team. 74 is too high. Most people were in the 68 to 72 range that I saw and they blew past all of that and were again three results away from a 500 ball club this season. They went uh, over 500 in September, well over 500. They were great in September. They went over 500 in the second half of the season. And they went around 500, I know, since like the end of June. So solid, solid year. Great building block season. And I'm not, again, we'll talk about like successful, not successful. I have a hard time calling a season like that you went under 500, like just like straight up successful. Maybe I'm too competitive for my own good, own good. Um, but that's hard for me to do in my brain. It's hard for me to justify. So I'm not going to say that, but I, I think best record you've had in seven years, second place in the American league central best finish you've had in the AL central in seven years. I think that's something to hang your hat on. I think everybody in that locker room should be proud of what they accomplished this year. I think this fan base should have optimism going in to next season, or at least going into the winter. We'll see what happens in the winter. Um, and yeah, the season's over and that's it. That's all she wrote. That's wraps, baby. So uh, thank you all for another season under my belt here on this show uh, to get personal really quickly before I send you on your way. Uh, this is my second full season here, my third season in total. I joined I, I took over as host of this show. It was whenever Matt Manning's Major League debut was. That was my first episode. So um, about two and a half seasons now, and we've been through a lot together. We've been through uh, a, a lockout season where I literally wasn't allowed to, like the, the teams weren't allowed to make moves. There was nothing to talk about. Every single day, I had to come up with content for that. There was obviously the COVID stuff still going on and, uh, the the weird outlook of the season during that time period, um, it's it's been a it's been a journey of the last two and a half years. But um, I will forever be grateful and thankful for this opportunity. I will never ever take it for granted. I love the listeners and the the uh, community is genuinely what I call it that this show has created. Um, the, the people that, that comment every day and, and the people that tweet at me and, and the people that message me and, and reply to my stuff. And, um, I don't, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry two days in a row. That's not going to happen, but <laughs> I won't allow it. But, uh, genuinely, like if you would have, if it, it's been a long journey for, for me personally and a long journey, <laughs> a long one. And, um, you know, if you would have told younger me when, when a lot of, of bad things were, were happening and a lot, and a lot of, I was going through a lot of struggles that, you know, one day I'd, I'd have a platform just doing what I, I loved. And, and I'd have the ability to just talk about the Detroit Tigers every single day with, with the Tigers fan base. Um, I, I think I said I would have told you, well, then I guess it's all going to work out then. And that's where I ended up. So um, I appreciate you all greatly. Like I said, I, I assure you, I never take it for granted. Um, thank you for your support. 
It means the absolute world to me and it allows me to do this every single day. And um, yeah, you guys are absolutely awesome. More, uh, more, more than I deserve, I think, most days. So thank you very much for the conti- continued support. Thank you for continuing to support the show. And we got a fun off season ahead, baby. We got a very, very fun off season ahead. Tomorrow's show, we're going to be completely breaking down the media availability by Hinch and Harris on Monday. Okay. A lot of quotes coming out, a lot of clips coming out. We're going to talk all about it on tomorrow's episode. I promise. Okay. That's going to be what the the entire 30 minutes tomorrow will be about. So I'll see y'all then, baby. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Appreciate y'all greatly. As I just got done saying, peace and love going to therapy's dope. I'll catch y'all then, baby. Go Tigers.